Welcome back to the No Bucks Given podcast, the equestrian destination to have honest conversations about the horse industry. Whether it's debunking common myths or discussing complicated social topics within our industry and both sides behind them, we get to the bottom of what matters most, how to best care and advocate for our horses. I'm your host, Maya Luttinger, and today I'm joined by two very special guests, Michael Kilmke and Melissa Gallagher. Today we're going to discuss equine welfare within the sport of dressage and uh, throughout our industry, and I'm really excited to have Michael's perspective. Michael, will you tell me a little bit about you and your background as a professional dressage rider and trainer? Yes, welcome from my side. Um, my name is Michael Klimke. I'm lawyer by profession, but a long-time horse trainer and rider. And uh, when we talked a little bit before, what's nowadays interesting? Nowadays interesting is for me the main key question, welfare to the horse. That's if it's within the German Federation, within the FEI, within the American Federation, welfare to the horse is the topic. But here comes my first but. Who decides what is welfare to the horse? Who has the knowledge? Who has the right? Who can make a law who says, this is welfare, this is not welfare? Tell you an example from Germany. We have some so-called animal protectors that say, Horses shouldn't be ridden but 24 hours in a field in a life nature. You know what comes? We can later see horses just in the zoo. Because here in America you have more land and space, but in Europe we can't just put the horses out and leave them alone. To break it down and seriously say what is welfare to the horse, we come to detailed questions. For me, the main key is, or the main question is, who defines what is welfare? Is it a dressage rider and trainer like me? Melissa, I know you for a very long time. We do the same. You are riding and training horses. Are we both the ones that say, this is welfare, this is not welfare? Is it a federation? Is it the highest federation, the FEI? Or is it the organization PETA worldwide? I think for me, this is a, not an animal protection organization. You, you told me I should say, Frank, what I think. No, they, they are not helping animals. They are not helping horses. They just look for scandals and finance the whole organization by building up scandals. I think welfare to the horses look to our sport. My personal idol and hero is Isabel Wert. She was just winning in Stuttgart with a 17-year-old horse, Emilio, with a with personal best, the World Cup qualifier. She had all her horses were long in the sport. Going back to the history, my father's horse, Alerich, was individual 84 in Los Angeles and going another Olympics 88. Go to Anki van Grunswen. 
she uh, was with Alineo and with Bonfire on two Olympic Games, mm. winning even with Alineo two Olympic Games. So that's for me welfare to the horse. I'm a horse lover. I'm a horse trainer. This is welfare. And not people from outside, especially in the social media nowadays, where you get the feeling people that never were ridden, that never owned a horse, that never had the feeling who really loved a horse, rider relationship, and felt it, they tell us what's welfare. No. Uh, 2000, I was German champion uh, and had a horse, Stallion Whitefoot. It was very hot. I will never forget that. In the last center line in the Grand Prix special, he was sweating a little bit. I was sweating a lot. But he was really fighting for me. He really was presenting himself. He was proud. This is welfare. It's not welfare that people from outside say, oh, Uh, you can't ride them an hour. You can, you cannot uh, have them in the stall. You cannot feed them this and that. There are many people in social media that, from my point of view, have not the knowledge and not the right to say what is welfare to the horse. Welfare to the horse should be really explained and defined by the organizations, by the riders, by the trainers, then we are on the right way. But I'm talking too much, Melissa. Now it's your turn. <laughs> no, I think you, you bring up a really, a really good point. Uh, and something that I just posted about recently is horses have been an integral part of civilization. Yes. We would not be where we are yeah. without them. But then as soon as modernization came and we didn't need the horse anymore, then we developed a use for them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a beautiful thing because we domesticated them and then what? They would be discarded and not useful at all mm -hmm. and they wouldn't be surviving in the wild. Mm -hmm. um, so this gave purpose for us to have a way of still being able to have relationships with them and use for the horse that we domesticated mm. and we needed to get where we are today. Mm. But then people want to forget that and say, oh, you can't ride this horse. It's not fair to the horse. And as you said, we have relationships with our horses. People in the PETA organization, don't come at me, but a lot of people that are angry about welfare don't understand the relationship that you can have with your equine partners and the bond. And we do care for them. And there are people that need to be governed, you know, and there, I think there should be, in my opinion, a governing body because there is none for welfare right now, specifically. And we talked about this, I believe on another podcast, right? We did. We did. And so I think there does need to be, but it has to be a panel, I think we said, of like many different people from different areas, because you can't just have PETA, you can't just have the FEI, you can't just have a trainer, um, you can't just have an owner. Um, but there should be something, because if we don't, if we don't take control of it and, out, and put it in our own hands, then PETA is going to take control of it. 
And then we will lose the right to do what we love to do. So I think we need to be proactive in definitely. But on. but once again, who defines what is welfare? There is no one right now. But that's the problem. Yeah, exactly. And now uh, uh, we 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 are offended in Germany and in Europe. It's I don't know exactly how it is here in the states, but in Europe <clears throat> there is a big community that really is against riding against anyway they they just are not open for arguments anymore and then they they make pictures i mean it started with rollkur hyperflexion some years ago where you suddenly say ah these successful riders are only successful because they are abusing their horses and all this bullshit no the opposite is true I'm president of a riding club now for a very long time. And I'm also um, often seeing exactly the people that think they have the knowledge. But I think that's sometimes for the horses more pain. Uh, overweighted horses that are lame and they don't feel that they are lame mm -hmm. my horses i know your horses i know many sports stables where the horses are treated better i mean my wife treats the horses better than she treats me <laughs> so by the way with blacksmith with veterinarian with feeding with my horses are treating good and i can say this for almost all the dressage and jumping riders that i know And I'm tired of feeling, being offended by people that don't, either they don't even have horses or they don't, they treat them bad and don't even feel that, <laughs> that they treat them bad. <laughs> yes. You know, this is not fair. Of course, we have to also see the other point. We are in the focus because we are the only sport with animals. Welfare to the horse must be always first. And like in all other sports, there might be uh, some riders that, for whatever reasons, made mistakes and, 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 and maybe tried something to it. Yes, maybe. I don't know. But I'm long enough in the sport. I come from a horse family and I really know that... 99% of worldwide the horses and horse lovers, the riders, treat their horses good. And it's not only here and there. I was from 2001 till 2003. I was uh, the dressage coach for Japan. I came there the first time. I thought how many people that time, and that's more than 20 years ago, no? uh, they loved their horses And um, I really have a close relationship to the Japanese Federation still. There was a Japanese team at the show I'm running in Münster in Germany that made good news for the sport. They, they, they are so open and I really love the way the Japanese are in that. Yeah, so the welfare, if we go back one more time to the welfare of the horse, 
We had last year a discussion, double bridle or snaffle in the International Grand Prix. Should we allow snaffle? The FEI discusses the, this topic under welfare issues, which I'm a treasurer of the International Dressage Riders Club. The International Dressage Riders Club, the Trainers Club, is completely... The, has has a clear opinion. It has nothing to do with welfare. That's uh, that's sorry to say. This bullshit. We have to talk. Maybe is the double bridle good or not good? But even that is, if we go back to the history, horses are since three thousand years the eldest companion of the human beings. Classical riding is a world culture, got a world culture declaration last year. Classical riding. So we as horse lovers must really protect this mm -hmm. and go forward. And we should not allow these so-called animal protectors tell us what are the rules, tell us what we should do. No. In my barn, every day, I have open doors, we have a riding club, every day people can come and watch and see it. And it's, I think, in almost every stable like mm -hmm. this. Here, I saw your wonderful place here, everybody can, can look. Mm -hmm. Why we are always in this defending position? Mm -hmm. No, I want to be in an open, straight discussion, and everybody who says dressage and riding anywhere, equestrian sport is, is against welfare of the horse, Come to me, I show you my stable, I show you my horses, I explain you everything, but they don't they don't come. Mm -hmm. They just make it in social media mm -hmm. and attack good riders like Isabel Wert, like uh, Lotti Frey and like Karl Hesse and uh, all these names. Uh, they they are through the social media in a position where it comes not to an open discussion. It's more about really saying, okay, I can type in whatever I type in. And this is not good. We should be clear in our opinion. We love horses. Welfare is first and most important thing. But again, I want to have a voice in the declaration, what is welfare to the horse? in feeding, in stabling, in training. I want to be part of it. And I don't want somebody else tells me, mm -hmm. oh, now you can only make five minutes rising trot and put your horse away in the stable, or you cannot gallop around the racetrack because, oh, too long gallop is against welfare. Mm -hmm. And this is what the situation is in Germany, in Europe at least, that they tell us, and a little bit here in America as well, whatever. So my question with all of that is, what is your definition of welfare? You know, it sounds like it's very important um, to you, and I totally agree with you that welfare is determined by experienced equestrians and trainers. What types of rules would you like to see put in place or enforced or changed to promote the welfare of the horse? I'm more in the position of keeping the tradition and not thinking about what do we have to change? 
why do we always have to change things just be, we live nowadays when for 100 years things worked out well? Uh, in this uh, topic, breeding. The breeding changed in a positive way in the last 50 years, tremendous. When I see the old videos and pictures of my father, where there were horses that worked on the field and in the evening, they were just thinking, how do I get him through the pole? <laughs> yeah. And now you see at the approvals, two and a half years that have a wonderful neck. The riding uh, classical principles, or if you don't want to call it classical, however you call it, let's call it principles of riding. They were right 50 years ago, and they are right today. So I'm not there to change in that point anything. I just think we have to change our way of being more open to explain more why we do this, how we do this, why we think it's right, and not say we have to change anything. Uh, I will make one because uh, I think we also should make it a little bit with the common sense of humor. Every FEI uh, committee from the, uh, every chair of the officials club tried to change a new test. The best test till today is the Grand Prix Special, because it wasn't changed since 1984 a lot. All the other tests were changed from people yeah, that have good, good ideas, good wishes, but that you, for example, change the two and one times in the Grand Prix is totally against your training because normally it's half passes, it's period and changes. Why do you change this in the Grand Prix? And in the small, in the intermediate one as well. Why do you think every time you are new in a committee and you are a new chair, why do you have to change anything? Then the test should get shorter. Yeah, maybe for media reasons. But our sport takes time. You need to show walk, trot and canter. You need to show certain figures. And it's not about short and short and short. 1936 at the Olympic Games in Berlin, the tests were 14 minutes. And when you don't make it in 14 minutes, you get time falls. Wow. So it's all written in the books. You can read it. <laughs> and now everyone thinks, yeah, we have to do it quick and media and public, no. A Grand Prix now is for me almost too short. And again, then the separation in the uh, former Grand Prix, it was Passage, Piaf, Passage, Piaf, and then Kenter. Oh no, we have to make the walk in between to make it more difficult for the rider and horses. Come back to welfare? Do we want to make tests more difficult for the riders and horses? No. Welfare is logic. And the whole dressage training is really logical if you read the old books. You see it, you make the trot work, you make the half passes, the lateral work. In the canter, 
half passes, pirouettes, changes. Piaf passage. Piaf is nothing than trot on the spot. And don't think with special tests you make it. But then while we are talking about funny changes, so then Anki van Grunswen was a genius in the freestyle. Uh, I love to watch her freestyles. And then the judges thought, okay, uh, sometimes her horses were not square in the halt in the beginning and in the end. But the judges were not able to really mark it correct. Mm. What did the FEI do? And the officials did. Oh, we put a mark for the hold in. Because that's clear. Those holds, now you get a mark. I mean, a little bit, we must still say, hey, a freestyle is important and it changed our sport to public, yes. But if you, as a judge, are not able to combine it into your marks, why do you need really a mark for a hold? Now the degree of difficulty, you have to put it in the computer before and you cannot change your line. Um, this is, for me, on the one side good, but the individual freedom goes away. I remember once, it was in the 90s, I had a Russian horse, Khan, and I rode in Sertogenbosch Freestyle. Sold out. The, the spectators are super in Sertogenbosch. And then there was this big screen from everywhere. I had to go in, and he was just looking at the screen. I couldn't get him to do anything. But so I made some circle, Piaf Passage, and Pirate. That time it was still allowed, yeah. But uh, now, when, when this happens, that you get, of course, I don't know. It takes away a little bit the freedom. But okay, we had long talks. We talk about welfare. <laughs> so, <laughs> Melissa, now it's your turn. <laughs> so you would say that it's not that you want to add new rules or change anything, Michael. You would say that you want to protect what we have that exists. Sorry, uh, yes. Now I remember the question you asked me <laughs> some minutes ago. Of course, we also need to make certain changes. Um for example, warming up, open for the spectators. Stables, open for the spectators. Be aware that you get watched 24 hours as a rider. This should change. Definitely get more open. Mm -hmm. And get more into discussions. If you have people that criticize our sport, did you discuss with them? And from changing the sport, talking about welfare, I'm very, very disappointed from the German, uh, from the uh, FEI, from the International Federation. They changed the rules for the Olympic Games for Tokyo, and now in Paris it will be the same. Maybe in Los Angeles will be the same that you cut off from four riders to three riders for the disciplines dressage, jumping, three-day event. Mm. Which means, for us in dressage, yeah, you don't like it, but you can live with it. It, it limits the chances of the weaker countries. 
But in jumping and three-day event was my sister makes. Phew, they have to really welfare to the horse. They have to try to really get into the finish line because before they had four riders and three count in jumping and three-day event. And when your horse had a bad day, you just give up. And that's it. Three are still there. No. Welfare to the horse and the thinking of the FEI says, we just have three and that's it. It's against welfare to the horse. It is. It is. And that's then, a financial decision, isn't it? No, it's a, it's a clear decision from the FEI, a clear lie from the FEI. They say uh, it comes from the IOC. Bullshit. When Thomas Bach, who is now the president of the IOC, was the German uh, president in 2004, he was, I know him through my father, and I called him before attends the Olympic Games. Is it true that that's an IOC thing? He says, we don't care. We want to have a certain amount of 220 horses at the Olympic Games, jumping three-day event and, and, and um, dressage. Uh, and I don't care in dressage, he said, and the IOC does not care if you ride a quadrille or a pas de deux or who cares. But it's always the FEI who then thinks of more flex, more flex, more flex. Honestly speaking, I'm not very fast in running. But when I'm running 100 meters for Mozambique, shall I with 20 seconds, the world record is under 10 seconds, be a part of the Olympic family and compete at the Olympic Games? No. Is it really important that we have many flags? Or should we not also look a little bit for the quality? And the quality means that you need a certain standard. Do you know how much it costs for Tokyo, the national federations? And then there's just a few coming in the special, a few coming in the freestyle, and the rest are just Olympic tourists. I don't know. I personally think, f go back to four riders, go back to five judges instead of seven. That's also another topic which makes me still a little bit thinking. If five judges are not able to get the deadline, <laughs> why seven? <laughs> and I'm organizing shows. Yeah, you know, why don't 12 judges? They all have a good time, you know. They'll uh, be distracted with each other. Well, we'll all get 90s. Uh, I come from the time, from that time, Wolfgang Nigli, afterwards to Eric Letter, and even before Nigli, Gustav Nibleus. Good names, good horsemen, good... They had the, they were, the five judges were judging in Aachen and the championships. That's it. Clear line. Now, they, they, well, we all come and go, you know, as many judges as possible. And then we exchange them and, and you miss a certain line. I come back a little bit away from the welfare topic. We come back later. But this is for me. If you ask me, what do we have to do better? The clear line in judging is my biggest fear for our sport. 
five, six, seven percent differences, mm -hmm. who cares? Nobody talks about it even anymore. I, I, I wrote, now here's two CDIs. I come since 10 years here and go to all the big shows in Europe. Yeah, there's no line. There's no clear line anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, through my law office, and I have uh, luckily a, a lot of friends out of the horse world, and then they watch it sometimes when I ride or when we organize uh, shows, and they can't understand. They ask, is this a sport? <laughs> no, it's not a sport anymore. Right. An objective sport needs clear, definite rules. It's a subjective sport. Yeah. It's a lot of party, a lot of nightlife, a lot of horse sales, Where? a lot of... No? I'm missing that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and everybody's happy somehow. You know, the whole circuit, everybody loves each other. And then we have a little bit the high sport at the championships, but the rest is more, yeah, we come and go. And, oh, I made a mistake here and gave this one a little less and this one a little less. I don't want to blame judges. Every judge does his best, really. And I personally, uh, when I sit there with friends, with Melissa, we both sit and watch. You would sometimes give a six and I would give an eight or the opposite or whatever. So it is difficult. And I don't say that judges do it on purpose. No, no. please, please don't get me wrong. But if you look, now everything is published. Every class international, you can see the scores worldwide. And it's a shame that we don't have a closer uh, rule, a closer line, sorry, not rule, where you see, okay, this is what the judges want to see, this is how they market. And now I go one step back in history. 1936, Gustav Rau, the equestrian personality before and after the Second World War in Germany, He wrote a book about the Olympic Games. And the last page was about the future of dressage. And then he said, the judges have the responsibility by giving their marks to go against wrong ways of training. That's a little bit compromised translated, sorry, my English, I'm from German, it's not good enough. It's not one-to-one, not -one, but this, the, the, the clear sentence is the responsibility to go against wrong training methods. And this is for me nowadays still the key. You cannot say and blame what a lot of people do, certain riders, when they win. I mean, it makes for me no sense. And why do the judges not see it? That's for me not a round story. The real story is that, first of all, I come back that 99% of the riders that I personally know love their horses and try their best. Try their best on a low level and on a high level. But if there's any more 
so-called protectors think it's wrong. And when you ask me what, what, what you have to do better, better judging, clearer judging, line up in judging. I just come here yesterday, I rode a Grand Prix for my first hold, I got a five and a 7.5. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. yeah, and then the, then comes always, yeah, from different views. Mm-hmm. Okay, but you sit at C and at M next to each other. The views. <laughs> okay, it's not hope. <laughs> so, so. But uh, again, I don't want to criticize judges, but I want to, want to say sport. my opinion, help the sport, and I'm... I'm too independent and too clear that I will always speak up when I see developments that I don't like so much. I feel the same way about um, the judging can be frustrating. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) I usually don't have a problem. I'm usually holding it away. Um, It is something that I would like to see change. And uh, I think the wrong things are getting rewarded. Mm-hmm. In a lot of cases, um, correct training is not getting rewarded over expression. Mm-hmm. Gate. Yeah. Uh, that is very hard for me. And if I see a horse that is harmonious, calm, relaxed, and supple, but is not as big of a mover mm-hmm. as a horse that has anxiety, clear, the mouth open, mm-hmm. foam pouring out, tension, but it's a big, flashy mover, it will always score higher than the other horse. And I think that's a something that could help welfare in general is if judges would start uh, critiquing those signs of anxiety in the horse, because that's what a lot of what I see on social media that's getting blasted is anxiety in a horse and people are taking these clips and it all it happens to all of us, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I've never been in the ring and and had a horse that wasn't a ball of anxiety. It does, of course it happens to everyone. But the judges have to not give a horse that's moving so big a nine when the mouth is wide open, it's chomping at the bit, foam is pouring out of its mouth, mm-hmm. and it gets this huge score. And I think that's an area that could help us take control of the welfare situation. Because as you keep saying, if we don't take control of it as equestrian sport, then someone else will. Mm. And we will lose our right to have control of it. So someone's going to make a move at Mm. some point. Mm. And if it's not us, it's going to be them. Mm. And so where do we begin is, is... the hard part. And I've been discussing with a few friends, you know, Maya being one of them, how to make a governing body that would be fair and equal for us, but it's made up of people that understand this sport and truly love the horse. I mean, that's why most of us got into this, you know, certainly not for the money, (laughs) (laughs) it's for the love and the passion that we have for this crazy animal uh you know from the time that i could walk i was obsessed to an unhealthy level (laughs) with horses and it's been that way ever since and it's never going to change and i don't want to lose that right to be able to work with these magnificent 
animals because someone that doesn't understand it doesn't agree with it. Totally with you. Uh, try to translate it from German. The fish starts to stink at the head, ne? we say. Yeah? <laughs> And so the international... Uh, the Federa, Federa, FEI, the Federation Equestre Internationale, they are the ones who could do something, they don't do it. The opposite is there. There are many things coming from the FEI are against our sport. I wait that there comes a change that they really understand uh, they are normally there for the sport and not to really make so many regulations that are against the sport. We had the topic tests. We had the topics with the judges. We had, uh, we have, there are a lot of other topics. The show fees you have to pay as an organizer to the FEI or I'm also running national shows to the German Federation. The costs are so high. Is there really a group of people that say, okay, we try to solve it? Uh, there's 25% less competitions in Germany because it's too expensive. And this is not in the top sport. It's mainly in the, it's called Breitensport in Germany, in the You know, when before the family with a uh, with a pony and the kid, they went every weekend to a show, little jumping, little dressage. Now they go once a month because it's too expensive. And in general, the horse sport is expensive. Mm -hmm. But if we uh, uh, allow that it goes more expensive, more expensive, more expensive, then we should at the end not wonder that many people say, you know what, I'm not competing anymore. Why should I? The judging, the horse dealing, the combination of costs, Puh, then a heck around. We lose already, at least in Germany, a lot of people that go away from the sport. And then comes the next topic, the breeding. I'm, I'm definitely no breeding expert to speak here uh, for the breeders, but I can read numbers. The breeding numbers go down worldwide. The farmers that had two or three mares breeding, they, are all, they just keep one mare Till grandpa is dead, you know, mm -hmm. and then they, they sell the last man, <laughs> you know, because it's uh, that is also too expensive. It's so expensive. And it's so you have a few that then make a few big, huge, giant global players worldwide, mm -hmm. yes, but uh, uh, the average uh, cannot afford breeding anymore. But the breeding is our heartbeat from our sport. Without breeders, we cannot ride. Yeah, what does the German Federation, we have now a funny subject. I don't know what Steckenpferd means in English. You know, these wooden 
Oh, the stick horses? Yeah. yeah. They tried. Our German Federation is now trying to get money to collect um, or to money, or just for money reasons, to have it under the German Federation. That it's regulations with training and all this. So everybody is really thinking, are we not having more problems than that? <laughs> But okay. Yeah. So. To you find keep them sound. Yeah, right. <laughs> I wait when the welfare for that horse is coming. <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, yeah. So um, there are many, many topics to talk about, really, for the future of our sport. I think your question went a little bit of that. So if you ask me what concerns me, it's really the costs. It's the regulations and the rules. I'm... I'm not saying that in the old days everything was better, but there were a lot of changes for no reasons. And if we really want to be a top sport, we need again four riders, five judges. That's it. In the show jumping and in the three-day event, it's even more important. That's my opinion. I agree. I agree with that. Do you have any insight as to why they made that change, the FEI? Uh, no, with the judges, with seven judges, I really don't understand it. And then you have a, a panel of three judges that sit up there in the in the panel. Like, uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, with the tests, it was very clear that there was a fashion that you say, ah, shorter test, make it sexy for the media, make it shorter and then you just need one center line where you make a period, you have passage period in between you change and then you go out again you know just to, but this is circus this is not our riding right. it's trick riding it's not yeah. dressage it's yeah. not training yeah. and in the jumping there's another uh, problem worldwide on the one side we have this global champions tour All over the world, uh, you get good prize money. You have to pay a lot to be part of the team. Um, but uh, most of the shows have a very big VIP tent. And we forget the horse enthusiasts, people in these. And I think that's also not really, the f cannot be the future of our sport, that we just have this global then and then nothing so yeah we need to we all together trainers organizers riders need really to find a way with the federations clear rules yes but where want to be where we want to be in 10 years i personally have a very clear opinion we need to include amateurs we really see here in wellington that we have the national classes and the international classes, the combination to bring all horse lovers and horse enthusiasts that ride and want to ride and compete together on one show round. And it's not the one 500,000 jumping Grand Prix, no. It's really the family comes. And in Europe, the horse... Um, Show organization has changed a lot. We we have still a few traditional shows, like I'm responsible for the dressage, Turnier der Sieger in Münster. Yes, that's traditional. 
Wiesbaden, Stuttgart and Linsen, the Linsenhof Rad family makes Frankfurt now Donau Esching in Kronberg. We have a couple of them, but the rest is really either high top top and then nothing. And this is dangerous. Mm -hmm. And we should be all happy. Like I speak to a lot of, I, I now speak anyway again too long, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, even some riders here think, do I go to white fences because it's a little cheaper or do I go to global? But it, this, cannot be, this cannot be the future of our sport. Right. This is too expensive. It is very expensive. And we have to, we have to find then ways to, to cut the costs. Do you have any ideas for how to make things more affordable? Yeah, I'm I'm on both sides of the table, you know. I sit on the one side as a show organizer, on the other side as a rider and trainer. And I totally can say, in my ideal world, it costs almost nothing as a rider. And in my ideal world, it costs a lot of money for whoever pays it, if it's a rider who has sponsors, because I want to run a show at least with a black zero, we call it in Germany. Right. Yeah, so we have to be in that balance, and we go. We have to try to really say what necessary costs we have. I tell you an example from Germany. I have to have a, uh, a veterinary a doctor there. Cost seven hundred dollars per day. Yeah, I have to have a blacksmith checking the passports cost a lot of money. I have to have a blacksmith that does not have to be there on the local shows, but be, I just pay him that he, if somebody calls, is coming. Same. And, and, and. And these costs must be reduced by just saying, okay. And then we have, we pay for the German Federation, international to the FEI. These are two high costs And on the other side, we all we all have to make our sport more popular and try to get sponsors that say, okay, I love this sport. I support the sport with money. How is the reality in dressage? It's the daughter, the girlfriend, or the wife of an, <laughs> a, a, a successful businessman that supports dressage. By, by his company, by his private for money, by whatever. But this is reality because we have no selling product we really can sell. We have not even a sponsor for World Cup anymore. In the 90s, when I was second and third, uh, fourth and sixth in the World Cup finals, we had Nashua, we had Volvo, we had really global players. Mm. Yeah, we, we don't have a title sponsor for Dressage World Cup anymore. Nations Cup. The FEI is, uh, tries to increase the Nations Cup in Dressage. You don't find a sponsor. There we must also think, how can we make our product better? Not by shorter uh, tests, but uh, a little bit make it attractive make it lifestyle, make make everything around a little bit, that you get the family to the shows, that you get background stories, that you get interviews between the rides, that you get people that explains our sport, 
that it's an entertaining program besides the sport and not just say, okay, now everybody's quiet, shut up, music up, we have to write dressage. It's boring. Shh, shh, be quiet. It's very boring. Yeah. Yeah. I can't even watch it when it's like that. <laughs> and then the FEI produces world championships with 90 riders in the Grand Prix. <laughs> who would sponsor that? I mean, right. <laughs> nobody who is, uh, who is not a really horse enthusiast. But we need other groups. We need to get big car companies. We, we need to get big, anyway, big companies mm -hmm. that really go again into the sport. Like it was. A Volvo, as I said. Audi was in. I mean, it's still in jumping Mercedes-Benz. Um, it's Deutsche Bank Arena in Dressage. Yes, but this is Aachen. It's unique mm -hmm. in the world. So this is also a, yeah, a topic for for one session just for about that to talk. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So you would say that you think uh, adding more media coverage um, to really expose all the humanness behind dressage would really benefit the sport so we can continue to entertain people outside of those of us inside it and get more sponsors. I really believe so. I, I think the television format must change. Uh, clip my horse, FEITV is very good, but we need we need to make the background stories around. And it's good. Do you know who won yesterday the Four Star Grand Prix? I do not. So, me too. I was even competing. No, I know, I know <laughs> it because it was yesterday. But right. two weeks ago, I I have to remember uh, who, who was winning there. Uh, who was winning today the World Cup qualifier in Amsterdam. Yeah. And then I want to know home story from Isabel Wert, home story from Steffen Peters, mm -hmm. home story from Karl Hester. I want to, and then I want to, you know, get a bit more lifestyle info. Maybe yeah. that's the better translation. Yeah. <laughs> lifestyle. Oh, that makes sense. I think it's a wonderful thing to, uh, I, I love Karl Hester's story for, you know, for those of you that don't know, get his book. It's amazing. But um, I think making superstars in this sport relatable and personable would be a great start. And I also think getting people that have no experience and have never seen a horse go, they would be intimidated to come to one of our events, right? Because there's a stigma around equestrian sport. Um, and it's not all the time incorrect, but saying that, you know, it's a snobby sport or for the elite. Um, if we made it more accessible and more inviting, which is kind of how my personality is to begin with, but it was one of my missions uh, when I changed from eventing and jumping into a dressage rider was to make it less boring, which in Europe it's not. It's a lot of fun to go to a dressage show mm -hmm. in Europe. Um, but over here, you said everything's hush-hush. We've got it. Everyone has to be quiet. Nobody move. Don't have a baby carriage. <laughs> you know, no children making noise. You know, um, and that is not an inviting personality to have for your sport. And so if we, we want to make it more fun for people if we want those big sponsors. Yeah. And in Europe, 
I thought it was less expensive to compete. Mm-hmm. It, it was. Is. It is it still. Is too. Okay. Less, less. Um, yeah, the expense over here is astronomical. Yeah, yeah and then uh, if I look at I'm now since 10 years here, uh, Friday night freestyle sold out most of the time, Saturday jumping sold out, Sunday you go to polo. Yeah, but the the rest of the shows, uh, competitions and classes, even when you have a five-star Grand Prix and dressage, nobody really cares. They come in the VIP tent for a nice lunch, and then uh, whoever, I mean, they were all here. Carl was here, Andreas Helgson, Isabel Wehrt, uh, Jessica from Brido Van, and then and they make these master classes at lunchtime at Global, and nobody really comes there. This is sometimes what I don't understand, really. Um, there's a lot of, on the one side, a lot of education uh, going on, but combine it in the shows. You know the spectators that are not in the VIP tent? You, I know them all in person now since three years. <laughs> oh, hello, hello. It's just a few. You say hello, right. you know? Um, uh, yeah. Uh, I think it's hard to find that information sometimes. That's what I was about to say, you know, just for me, um, you know, my background in social media, I I haven't heard of any of that. So, I mean, I wonder if part of the issue maybe in the um, U.S. and um, this sort of stuff that's going on is maybe we don't have appropriate media coverage uh, for those sorts of events because I haven't heard of that at all. Any of that's happening. Yeah, and you know, the, the show that I'm responsible in Turnier der Sieger, it's called, in Münster, uh, we have Saturday night in front of the castle, a freestyle with just five riders that qualified through the Grand Prix. There's before a jumping, good jumping class, but the horses stay for dressage. We were sold out, it is always end of August, we were sold out and had a super atmosphere. It was advertising dressage. I guess, I don't know, but I guess if we would just make the f- f- dressage freestyle in front of the castle without anything around, and then we had good foods. We had not only, you know, we Germans like currywurst, pommes, mayo, me too, <laughs> too much. Um, but uh, lifestyle around some shops, some good food, Ooh, and, and and that it's you know, when the weather is good, you know what atmosphere it is in the end of August in front of the castle, and super freestyle, super sport is of course the first and most important mm-hmm. thing. But the things around you have to create. It, it's not just running, running a, a horse show at Global here which I, I, I like the people that are running personally. I, I know them and, and like them. But there could be a little more besides just freestyle and VIP tent yeah, to make it, yeah, that, that, that there are so many horse lovers here that they just go. Right. A little place for kids. As I said, food, some other shops around that, that you make it like a highlight happen. Okay, Friday night we go. And not because of that, only because of the freestyle that, because we just love to meet people, hang around, and, mm-hmm. you know. 
And you can't there because all the shops are behind. Yeah. Right? The freestyles right here. Yeah. Everything, it would be better if it was all together. Yeah. And I made, for example, in Münster at our show, after every freestyle, I made a comment. I was sitting next to the commentator. Uh, and then I said, oh, this was good. This was too, not not really in detail, but to explain it to people. Oh, yeah, this was a highlight here. This was bad luck there, and but positive. Ne? And, bah, yeah. and this, nothing happens at Global. When, when I was placed in the prize giving two weeks ago, everybody left. They don't even stay for the for the prize giving. Right. And the ones that are still in the VIP tent are well, celebrating. But right. they also don't care, you know? <laughs> yeah. So so it seems like overall the one of the best ways to protect our sport would be to promote shows in a way that is accessible to anyone to go to and really enjoy. Um You know, the hard thing about that I'm just imagining is, you know, the average equestrian may not have a lot of control over that unless they get involved and start volunteering at different horse shows. Um, volunteering is one thing, but uh, go into the committees. We have an okay. international dressage riders club, a trainer club. We have in Germany the uh, same clubs for national. You have here in America clubs where you can say you want to go in and be part of it. It's always easy to say this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, without then it is time. You need to bring time in. You need to uh, effort to really think about things and, and discuss things. But if you want to make things better, complaining is easy. Go in the committees, help our sport, And, and not be thinking, oh, they make this and we cannot. No. It's, I mean, finally, it's a big horse family. And if you want to be part of it, then go and help to make our sport better. And this is what I criticize with, to come back to what we started with, that especially in the social media, you have lots of people that give a shit about the sport. They give a shit about everything. They just, yeah, uh, write hate comments about top writers. And this is what makes me angry. It's right. easy nowadays by Facebook. Our server was born BC before computer. <laughs> I'm happy that when I was younger, there was no Facebook right. and videos and handies, you know. <laughs> Very different world now, yeah. Melissa, what would you have to add to the conversation? Um, you know, I really agree with you. I think that being overall welcoming is incredibly important. You know, I love Michael's um, push to make our shows better and more inviting uh, to the public um, for not only active equestrians, but also to support our sport, um, you know, to have the next generation of riders coming in. And from the other side, um, big sponsors coming in to support the shows to make it more affordable for the top level riders to compete. Um, but also it seems like you um, at a more grassroots level um, have your barn be very public and welcoming um, to people who not only uh, 
might not be as knowledgeable, you know, but also I think that your barn is very welcoming to people who want a place that's very safe um, to take really good care of their horses um, that have a very understanding and empathetic training style. Yeah, that we, um, I really love to foster that mentality. Everyone's welcome, any background, um, any discipline. I mean, you know, my barn has not just dressage horses in it. We've got everything from jumpers to working equitation horses, eventers. Um, and I have my own homebreds and everything that I raised there. And Michael had brought up breeding, which is very important. Without breeders, we don't have our sport or any equestrian sport. Um, but facilitating that welcoming feeling, I think, is something that the sport needs to adapt as a whole. Because I do think we give off an air of an elitist sport and whether that be true or not, you know, I'm not saying that it's not um, because you need money to play this game as Michael was saying. And um, you can do it without, I have done that, but it's not like I have money now. So I can't say that, Oh, this is the sport to get into. If you want to make money, it's not. Um, but there are people that have really just worked hard to get where they are. And we want this to continue and we want this to be welcoming to people. And we have to, I think they've done a good job about allowing more entertaining music to be in the freestyles for dressage. I think the music used to be quite stuffy and um, cla oh, classical and, and I want something that gets the crowd going, you know, when I come in there and now we're allowed to have some words. We're also allowed to have different color attire, you know, different saddle pads and, and it sounds silly. And we'll, Michael might have a different opinion coming from his family background. Klaus might have a major problem with this. Um, or um, so <laughs> uh, just saying that it doesn't all have to be black and white and it doesn't all have to be rigid. Um, but I do think keeping the classical element of training is the most important, but that modernizing, um, the music and the attire with keeping the homage to the roots is important, but we have to progress with the times if we want to survive. And, um, and I said, Michael, <laughs> uh, if we want to engage with people that are not familiar in, in equestrian sport, I think that's really important. And I was, uh, we have dressage at Devon near our house at home, near our farms at home. And they called me to ask, as one of the competitors, what would I like to see different for spectators, for other riders, um, for trainers to get to get numbers up because as you were saying, the numbers are down in showing in general because of the cost and everything. But I said, to make it more inviting for the public, they have the rides, they have the shops and it's wonderful. But around the arena itself, all has to be very quiet. And that turns people away. And I understand that you don't need a bunch of racket when you're trying to focus on your test, but I think it would be nice um, if you had tables, more intimate tables around the arenas, like in Europe, where you see the beer garden is right there, 
the tables and chairs are right around the arena. People are talking while they're watching and it's not so closed um, and so quiet. And I think people are, even myself, I'm afraid to move in the middle of someone's test if I'm in the bleachers at Global because I don't want to disrupt anything. Um, and I don't, and then I feel like I'm stuck there for three hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I want to be able to get up and move around. I want to be able to see so, you and talk and, to you yeah, and, yeah. and still watch at the same time. And I wish there was a way that we could make that more integrated. Not that this is accessible for every horse show, but one thing that's leaping to mind is the Coliseum at Kentucky. Have you been to the Kentucky three day event? Mm-hmm. Um, and it has the, uh, it has the um, arena at the bottom and all the bleachers throughout the top. I personally just really love that style. It's just so much easier to watch and shop um, and also to interact with your friends because you have so much more distance directly between you and the horse, but you can still watch the entire time. Um, So that's a little bit of an aside. That can't always happen, but I do love just the idea of being more cognizant moving forward of modernizing our sport and making it spectator and media friendly while keeping the classical training techniques that are so imperative to the horse's welfare. I think that's a very good sentence to finish our conversation today to really say we want to keep the classical riding but modernize for nowadays certain things also in training modernize but in general modernize it get it more popular or how do you say let's let's get our sport a little more sexy yeah, yeah. You know? bring sexy back yeah. and uh, then we are on a good track <laughs> so thank you very much that was really nice uh, to sit here and uh, have a chat with you both and I hope we do this soon again <laughs> and I have to say your father Reiner I'm so sorry <laughs> I was confused I was a little bit but, uh, I was like who's Klaus they were around <laughs> the same time right? Klaus uh, all is good uh-huh. Michael <laughs> my apologies can I ask you one last question um, it depends I <laughs> <laughs> uh, Is it true, you know, you're so experienced with breeding and sales of dressage horses. Is it true, um, you know, I see so many Americans blame the fact that sometimes we don't do as well at the Olympics as we feel that we should. Is it true that when an American comes to buy a German bred horse, you guys are only selling us your second tier? Bullshit. (laughs) I agree, right? I mean, like, that's not um, how sales make money. Yeah. Yeah. First of all... um, in America, I meet, I'm here since 10 years now for three months. Okay. But um, in the sport, I, I was riding my first company in 1988. Wow. So quite a long time ago. 17, right? Uh, and um, now I must say, there are so many good American riders. And the time changed. It's not that ready horses must be sold to America because worldwide everybody's looking for ready horses Mm -hmm. Um, and that speaking now as a horse seller I'm not thinking okay now somebody comes and gets uh, the second quality and I sell the first quality 
I sell the horses to the ones that give me the most money to make exactly. it very simple. <laughs> I think all horse dealers and horse sellers need to do this. Um, what I'm a little bit, uh, it's good that before we finish, you come to that question. Um, I'm really 100% behind the Global Dressage Festival and this uh, season here for three months. It's unique in the world. And the people that are not here in there in Europe or wherever in the world they are, they criticize us, yeah, the sport is in Europe and then, and, and. no. In this time of the year, the dressage sport is in Wellington. Oh, wow. There are good riders, there are good upcoming riders, upcoming horses every year. <laughs> and it's quite arrogant that you say, oh, no, it's... I don't know, now this weekend is Amsterdam and then it's Sertogenbosch and, and World Cup finals anywhere this year in Riyadh. Uh, no, I must say, a lot of German show organizers would be happy to have the numbers that are here in Wellington and a lot of riders would be happy to compete here in Wellington instead of not competing in the cold fucking How do you say fucking cold Germany? You know, <laughs> I said it can be open. You know, so let's let's see it realistically how it is. There are very good riders in America and horses, and uh, I had yesterday a good talk with Gareth Hughes, who is here for a week from Great Britain, a, a top top trainer and rider, and he said, Michael, worldwide it's all about training. And this is the key. If we do it here in Europe, in South America, in Japan or wherever, it's all about training. We want to train our horses better. That's the key. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you. Thank you.